Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for 21st of June 2021, Midsummer's Day. I want to start this week's report with a reflection on a very dear friend of ours who passed away this week, which is Jake Van Portfleet. Everybody loved Jake, although he probably didn't ever believe that. He just was liked and loved by everybody, with the exception of the bouncers from Delaney's Bar in Norwich around his Holt Rugby Club captaincy days. They didn't love him at all. But Jake, everybody wants to own a bit of him. And as far as I'm concerned, I first met him when he was a 15-year-old schoolboy and he had a two-week work experience under my wing, which, you know, whether I had any influence on him or not, I suspect I did. Because after I'd spent some time with him, he was unlike most farmers' sons in, in a sense that he went to the local comprehensive and he had a modesty about him and a deference and a politeness that, you know, he didn't have that arrogance that sometimes some farmers have. And on that basis, because he was one of them, he kind of fitted within every world and at the end of the two weeks I remember saying to him you really could make a living out of being this side of the fence trading with farmers because they're going to like you and you've got the right way of dealing with them not challenging them and being sympathetic to their issues and lo and behold that's exactly what he did although we never actually worked together there's a camaraderie in the trade he was a very successful grain buyer until he finally escaped and took over the family farm a few years ago. And then Jake became a director of Aylsham Grain because the family farm had been a member here from day one. So he did work with us in the context of being one of our directors and he only left when he received the diagnosis for the cruelest, cruelest of diseases, which is motor neuron disease. Jake, you know, everybody's going to miss you. The, the fact, the way you dealt with people, the way you got people to come to Holt Rugby Club was not the normal tactic. I talk about Delaney's or being in Norwich. Your recruiting tactics were superb. You had a team that took Holt to its finest ever days. I mean, even the club chairman was in the nightclub, if I remember rightly. I was told. (laughs) Anyway, we will miss you and our love and thoughts are with Claire and your children and, you know, Hilary and Neil and all the rest of the family. You know, as I say, you were loved and liked more than you'll ever know. So with that sad news, we'll get on to the, if you're a farmer, the miseries of the last week's trading as well. The market has dropped very dramatically. The weather is king. We'll talk firstly about old crop, which is surprisingly little bits of wheat are coming out of the woodwork. And God knows why people didn't actually say, oh, actually, I have got two loads, I think, left. I'll sell it now when it was 200 and something pounds a tonne. But it's in a situation where the price of old crop wheat is somewhere in the region of 188 would be a guess. It's not all over. There's eight weeks to go till harvest. But let's all remember there is a large amount of French book to come in from about mid-July onwards. So I think it's going to be interesting. There's been a few phenomenally high-priced sales that we've gone to collect the odd load from farmers. And they've come in with a 20-ton load instead of a 29-ton when they clear up their farm. It would be really useful to know that before we come to collect it. So thanks for that, one or two of you. It's cost us quite a few quid. But that aside... We seem to be in the last throes of trading it. So is 188 a good price? Well, 
12 months ago, you'd have thought it was brilliant. Barley, old crop, whew, that's a good one. That really should have been sorted by now. I would guess a value of about 170. X Farm, if you have any, throw it up and we'll see if there's any buyers about. There's certain parts of the country that have run out and obviously harvest willing. When will harvest start? If it keeps raining for four weeks and it won't be for a longer period, and there may well be a demand creeping in at the very end. But that's old crop, largely done and dusted, all bar the shouting. New crop, as I said, weather dominant. The difference in seven days in key commodity that's been the driver of all of this recently, following issues with corn production in various countries, there is rain forecast in the key regions of the states. And we don't know how much rain there's going to be. Different weather models have different suggestions, but largely everyone's going to get some rain. And in one week, corn, December corn has dropped from Friday last week when we recorded to now, 80 cents a bushel, which to the people who can be bothered to work it out is $29 a tonne in a week so with that happening inevitably everything's gone with it now in the same time period UK feed wheat has dropped six pounds now all right corn was overpriced and is the driver of everything but let's just keep a close eye on that that's a hefty drop in corn and I suspect with the weather that we're now getting it's now a good saturating straightforward rain that we're getting on this Friday as I record this I suspect the pressure is on European wheat prices with the crop developing as it is certainly in the UK our yield outlook is improved by this recent rain following that fabulous sunshine all of last week and my little brown legs that actually saw the sunlight for a change. So the outlook is down. Current value, November feed wheat X farm 164. If you want harvest movement, it would be about 161 delivered. For immediate movement, same day as cutting it. That is where we're at as I record. Feed barley has taken a bit of a tonking as well. I think there will continue to be interest for that. But if you try to push to sell it at the moment, there's a little bit of cat and mouse going on. So I would tentatively put a value of about 143x for harvest movement feed barley. Historically a brilliant price, with the exception of the last two or three weeks when it's been a lot higher than that. I think it ain't going to drop a lot further than that in the immediate short term. There is demand for UK feed barley. Malting barley, kind of getting to that point, lack of activity... I mean, certainly right now, spring barley is majorly benefiting from this rain. It's keeping all of those tillers alive that we were talking about last week. The winter barley, this is almost certain to guarantee there's no screenings, he said, famously. There's something terrible will happen now tomorrow and it'll all go flat or something. But assuming that the crop stands up, the nourishment has been there, the berry size is determined, I think we're going to get a big, bold sample of winter malting barley, which is great. Subject to sunshine coming through and finishing off the kilo weights, it could be really good for winter barley yields, feed and multi across the board. But the price side of things is much harder to kind of get a determination on. The other thing you have to consider is what if there is the deluge from hell? you know and the thing gets slaughtered so you can't sell 100% of your barley because it isn't yet in the barn you aren't absolutely certain that you're going to get the right combining conditions and it hasn't pre-germinated or split or whatever magical thing can go wrong with it so it's a balance of selling a bit and holding a bit and trying to react quickly when you know it's all good or not selling a thing when you know it's not so sharp so usual old stuff but not much trading going on from farm in our opinion in this current period so what does that leave us left to talk about? Oil seed rape. In simple terms, obviously, the weather has had an impact. Weather and politics are the two biggest things that influence prices of commodities if some sort of trouble or argument breaks out. Now, Ian's been talking me through a whole load of the reasons why the oil market has also come down aggressively. Predominantly, the issue of the weather is one thing. 
But the Biden administration, who when he was inaugurated, he highlighted that he was going to bump up ethanol usage and he was going to, yeah, he's going to be the Greta Thunberg's godfather sort of job. And he's also been at the G7 summit last week where it's a very environmentally biased conversation. So he's kind of got that in the background. But his administration has hinted at protecting the oil refiners in the US, a bit of lobbying from the old Republicans saying, you know, they can't cope. They haven't done anything about integrating ethanol into their mix. And they're basically in financial trouble. So he's hinted at possibly waiving the need to honour his declarations of bringing bioethanol into the mix. Now, there's no clarity on it. And there's a sudden silence It's a very politically, a very dodgy piece of ground. At the moment, he's both sides of the fence. He's like Mr. Green and then he's Mr. Save the Oil Refiner. So if he is going to renege on his commitment to use bioethanol, well, that has had a massive impact. The hint, the rumour, has been a major slice of why prices have dropped so dramatically. So to quantifiably put it into X farm values for oilseed rape, this is exciting in a negative sense. Harvest oilseed rape price is currently 3.95. Now who'd have thought we'd have been talking about something with a 3 in front of it following the spring we've just had and the potential of what we saw coming forward. So remember, weather and politics will never be predictable and they will always be influencers on your market. This week's Farm Chat is a continuation of the conversation I was having with Nick Padwick over at Wild Ken Hill. So enjoy. With that, have a very lovely wet and sunny week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Welcome back, Nick. Even though we've only just had an interlude, you're back on air. Not even time for a comfort break, but there we go. No, no, no. Time. we're going to keep talking because I'm conscious that this is a two-parter. So where we left off, you were talking about what instinctively felt right or wrong about spraying for orange blossom midge or dust clouds. As you evolve on this farm now, the, here we are at Wild Ken Hill. You've got the BBC on block in your barn outside the office. Yep. God knows how many of them there are out there. About 35 at the moment. Yeah, most of them sitting down having yet another cup of coffee by the look of it. I mean, they're filming here continuously. I've I've had a little look in the shed and you've got very good broadband from now on because they (laughs) they had it fitted. That's one thing thing we've got good in. We've actually got from the BBC in Norfolk, we had very, very poor broadband. But actually, we've now got broadband that's, yeah, that's rival broadband in London. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Which shows your negotiating skills like that concrete <laughs> road at South Pickham. You've still got the skill. Can you just throw that in as well? <laughs> all right then, thanks very much. You have all the village tuning absolutely. into you well, now. <laughs> no, absolutely. So outside the involvement with those guys, do you have to go and prod the odd owl box to make a move or something? How does that work? No, no, it's been an amazing experience. The only reason the BBC have been here was because of all the work we've currently done. And it isn't just me, it's the family's direction as well. It's the Buskell family. We really got kicking off when the son, Dominic Buskell, came back from London and got involved in the estate, which is great. Generational change mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. And how wonderful he was really engaged, wanted to get engaged with the rewilding project and wrote this amazing paper which put out on the internet and we were approached by the Beeb and asked if we would be keen to have some researchers come and have a look around. And I suppose we kind of all know as farmers, we all know we've got some amazing habitats out there. Everyone has, you know, it's just incredible. And I don't think we shout enough as an industry about it. And we were just fortunate that they've come to us You've got several things. You've got upland, marshland, woodland, seaside. You've got a big contrast and consequently, I guess, a big variance of wildlife, which ticks all of the boxes on a very busy tourist road in the summer, basically. In time, lots of these environmental schemes that go on are going to need to have the public access. They're going to need to see physically themselves. Watch Spring Watch. See, oh, that's really interesting. They're going to want to come here Mm. and they're going to want to experience... Now, the reality is, if every single environmental scheme... Last week, I had Jim Alston from Calthorpe on, and he's got an environmental scheme, and he quite rightly said... Because I thought, you know, the minute you have a subsidy for doing some environmental scheme, you're going to have to have payback to the public who's paid for it. But the reality is, as he put it, that they're raising a small riverbed and creating a wetland, an area between the arable If you put a footpath in there for the public to come and walk, you create a barrier. You're building a road over the middle of a piece of ecological, environmental... Absolutely. You defeat the whole object, and then public and their dogs and all the damage that they do. So you're going to need to have beacon places like this that people come to. Yeah, but we need to be careful here as well, because, I mean, we want to absolutely engage with the general public, 100%. Certainly over this last year and a half with COVID, people's mental health, well-being, they need to get out. They've been locked up. We've had a, if you can have a nice COVID period. I mean, we've been incredibly fortunate. You know, we're looking out now. Okay, we're looking at the BBC, but we're looking out of our window. And all we can see are trees and countryside. And it's just been delightful. The only negative, which actually has been a positive for us for COVID, has been the fact that that busy road has been quiet. Was for a few months, wasn't it? Well, it it was, yeah. So we are well aware that we have something here we want people to come and enjoy. We have two footpaths that run right the way through the rewilding project and the traditional conservation. Which is clearly signposted, and we want people to come and enjoy it. But there is a line here where we generate so much interest that people then take it upon themselves just to walk in and ruin all the wildlife that's there. Wander off into the woods. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's about the education. I'll tell you what, we have found that when we actually catch up with the people who have strayed, when we actually explain what we're trying to achieve, by golly, nine times out of ten, the experience has been positive. You know, yeah. they realise what they've done. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. And they will then hopefully educate other people. And so it goes on. And we had a lot of not negativity, but we had to put a fence up around the rewilding project. And it wasn't to keep people out, even though that's what they thought. It was to keep the stock in. You know, we have a duty of care to the stock. Yeah, we yeah. can't have them wandering across the main busy roads. As I say, they won't get run over this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> the cars won't be going very fast, no. But as soon as we then started explaining what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve, people got it. 
Yeah. The instant assumption, if I can speak on behalf of the general, the great unwashed, they assume that farmers are thinking, get off my land, you aren't allowed in there, that's mine, it's yeah. private. And you're taking all my subsidy, yoga, and you do that, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Whereas they wouldn't think, uh, actually, those pigs might wander up and out, past the car park, yeah. onto the road. No, absolutely. Just it's a simple thing to a country person, but to absolutely. a Absolutely. And I think it's about trying to explain it. If my father had been here today, gosh, he would have been the real farmer palmer, you know, get off my land and, and yeah. all the rest of it, and didn't want to explain. But I think nine times out of ten, farmers want to explain and show people what's going on and explain what we are trying to do as a farming community. Mm. So we're just very, very fortunate that the BBC decided to come here to look at our diverse habitats. As you say, we've got the marsh, we've got the rewilding, we've got the regen farming side of it. So there's lots going on. Do the guys on the BBC dwell on stuff like the public possibly being slightly in the wrong or do they keep well away from that? Forgive me for not having watched every episode. What do you mean? If somebody wandered off and stood on some eggs that you've been filming just because they've wandered away from where they should be and they've gone and damaged yeah. something, well, does that ever mention that the public well, actually well, sometimes... Well, you see, Andrew, if, if you'd been watching Spring Watch, I'm going to call I you out seen, here. I haven't watched it. There was, in the first week, we unfortunately had a bloodhound that got out of a neighbour's house yeah. and had wandered across the marsh eating avocet eggs. Oh, great. Live on TV. Excellent. And it was handled incredibly well at the time. Okay. The person was kind of called out. We didn't know who it was, but the owner of the dog. Mm-hmm. And it was done in a very sympathetic way. It wasn't done maliciously. No. But it was just a reminder to everyone, controlling dogs, and what happens See, if... that possibly does more good for people thinking, well, my dog doesn't, you know, he's a good old boy. He, just, he runs away yeah. sometimes, yeah. I call him. Yeah. But largely, it's no, never their dog. He's sweet yeah. as anything. And I don't think they know the damage that potentially they could do. And again, it's about the education. Mm. It's about education. That's a massive story. I'm sorry I haven't watched that. <laughs> I'm a country boy. I want to watch Spring Watch. I want to watch City Watch. So I understand like, you know, what happens in cities or something. We have the same, same problem with the ring plovers on the beach. Everyone loves little birds, yeah, little yeah. plovers. So the RSPB have been fantastic. And we're working with them at the moment, obviously nesting ring plovers mm. and dogs obviously interested in what's going on. And A beach is a beach to a person. Exactly. Oh, my dog's happy. He's running around. Absolutely. Like Which is great for the dog. But yeah. just bear in mind, have half an eye on the wildlife, I suppose, giving them a chance. Well, just be aware that there's obviously wildlife yeah. there. Absolutely. It? Yeah. It's making yeah. people aware of it. Yeah. So does this mean that it's an annual event, do you think? Well, Springwatch being here. Yeah. Well, look, we're fortunate that they've been here to do Springwatch. I believe we'll be doing Autumn Watch and Winter Watch. What happens the next year, who knows? We don't know whether we've given them a good time. Have you appeared on it? No, I don't want to. Face for radio. No, 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 absolutely. (laughs) We don't know what feedback we've had. What are we, Thursday today? So we've got two more shows to go. I know they're sat having lunch at the moment. It looks pretty cool. But they they are coffee merging into lunch. uh, Yeah. They are all pretty busy, as you saw in the workshop. So we kind of leave them to themselves. And they have been an absolute pleasure to have. It's interesting, isn't it? It's different looking out there. It's beautiful to have a whole load of activity in life. Yeah. We spoke to a couple of the guys out in the barn before this, and I said, well, what's it like being stuck out in the sticks? He said, I love it. I yeah. love it. It's no. great. No, it's great. We've had all the bird spotters and the nest spotters come out, and you know, they're, they're all so passionate about the wildlife mm. and farming. My little commercial head sticks in. You've got the bike shop on site, open skies, and the next thing is... 
a grain store for you. No, well, yeah, you can do. <laughs> you probably have to say, oh, yes, Nick, and then you have 55,000 tonnes of grain store. Absolutely. The wrong side of the road. <laughs> Coast road. Yeah, yeah you're going to love that, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, well, queues, queues for loading out. Yeah, that'd be a laugh. Sorry, we're closing at four. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. When did the queue die down? Where's at 9 p.m., yeah. <laughs> you must start thinking, well, this, we're now famous. This site is famous. I've watched the Wild Ken Hill video. I thought, oh, yeah, they're getting a bit of griff on this before I turn yeah, up. Yeah. I don't normally do any recce because I like to live on my feet on this podcast but I guess it was Dominic who appears on there yeah absolutely because you appear on that with a spade I, I do that. so you I are, do. You are, you are. yeah I know is that your hand running through the barley it is oh that's nice hand isn't got, it? yeah you should really be a hand model <laughs> there is such a thing is there yeah Gosh, no, I don't, not, not with my big fat farmer fingers, I don't think so. So forgive me, but if you can tame the public to keep on the bits they're supposed to walk on, can you make a commercial benefit? I'm just chucking it out there. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be something we can do going forward, but I think it's how we manage it, because what we don't want to do is open up the whole of the rewilding site to the general public, yeah, and then it becomes a non-rewilding site because everyone's trampling where they shouldn't be trampling, and but nature decides it's too busy, let's disappear. You've got footpaths already, so yeah, you, make a, you make a certain circular footpath walk where they can't stray from and have lots of pictures of this that yeah and, and it becomes a feature and give them a cup of coffee for four pound 85 and cheap and, and, i was gonna say four pound 85 <laughs> so it seems expensive to me and where you get your coffee from not, not um, for london mate So there's opportunities for us to educate people, general public, and we are really passionate in a previous life as well, really passionate that our countryside stewardship scheme offers us educational access. So I'm really keen to get into the schools and to young people and engage with them. I'm going to be complimentary now, Nick. Unusual. Go on. I can imagine you are really good with education and kids. The best thing about you is your enthusiasm. You you just like expansive and you're optimistic and everything's interesting. And if a kid comes in here and they're looking a little bit at their feet and they're not really engaged, you're not going to let them get away with that, are you? No, you're going absolutely to go, you're, not. Oi, you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the current Mrs. Padwick and I set up a farm to fork business up in Leicester for the co-op, and that ran for ten years. And I think about two hundred and ten thousand children came along to that. Yeah. I'm not suggesting we do that here, no. but what it did, it gave us an insight as to what was happening in sort of an inner city, Leicester, and surrounding villages, and giving children and teachers the opportunity to also get a grip to find out the basics of where food comes from and what countryside is about. And it could be as basic as putting in a wildflower strip or an unharvested margin the right side of a hedge so you walk down one side wind blows against it it's cold mm. and then you put the margin on the other side of the hedge and you walk the other side and you take your coat off because it's warm yeah basic to all of us and yeah, we yeah. kind of get it but the children don't get that well, no they one, don't understand it no well no one thinks like that if you don't come from exactly just... so i think there's a great opportunity for us to engage with education yeah so that's something that we are going to be developing going forwards and maybe some sort of kind of tours around mm. which we manage yeah so we can try and educate the public as well. And that's for farming as well as the sexy rewilding piece. If you stick farming into it, that's so important. Farming has to be, exactly. I know when we were talking about it and we were speaking with a family, Dominic is just amazing at the rewilding and the marsh. And he also gets the arable or the regen farming side. But for me, that's the being the farmer. That is something that really excites me because I think we can really do some great things. Yeah, that's going to remain commercial. 
yeah. and make as much money as it can. It, in a, it's in a, it's in got a, to. Inevitably, the farm yeah. has to make money, and yeah. that's, so there's a balance, which we touched on in last week's interview. But I think that if you can integrate education and the general public and they're only going to be interested in the baby birds, but if you start spelling out some of the obvious things about absolutely. production and supply and, absolutely. and so on. No, no, it's got to be. We've got to link it. We've absolutely got to link that because there is an absolute link. We're seeing this journey we're on. I know some of your listeners will say, well, he's had two of the most driest, no disease prone years there's been. Absolutely get that. But we're using technology and weather stations out there that are predicting when disease will actually enter the plant. It's great unsaid with farmers. They'll make a comment about, you know, I'm sure some people will say, oh, you know, we haven't used insecticides. Oh, it's the right view because whatever. In the end, you're nearly as old as me now. Do you not find, in the end, there's lots of people who will be poo-pooing your every thought and every move. 100%. And they're always going to criticise you. 100%. We went and looked at a barley field the other week and someone tweeted a picture of it. And there's a picture of us. There's a particular guy who is always sniping, you know, little snipe, snipe, thinks he's funny. So you put a horrid little snipe on there about, you know, do they know what they're looking at? And you spend your life, you know, when I was 25, I'd want to go and punch him or do something to him. <laughs> go out with his girlfriend or something just to piss him off. But now, it's like, you saddo. You have I to mean, just get on with it and do what you do no, and think he's always going to be critical, whatever he does. Absolutely. And I suppose for me now, I mean, it's just any trials or any work that I'm doing, I do right on the side of the road. So everybody can see it. Because do you know what? I don't care. And, mm. and we will learn yeah, so much care. from it. And I can't wait to see the skid marks down the road as people stop to think, you know, what the hell's going on here? It's yeah. a bloody mess. What I want them to do is actually come and ask what we're actually doing, because then it kind of makes sense. I had a conversation with someone this morning, actually, and they've kind of nearly done a full circle, which is quite interesting. So they kind of poo-pooed, lots of poo-pooing going on, and... Oh, no, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. And they were asking me lots of questions in a positive way about, so if I do do that, what happens? Or if I do, do you know what? Fine, Andrew. That's great. As long as they're questioning themselves, brilliant. Poo-poo to do-do. Poo-poo to do-do. Absolutely. (laughs) That's where you've to be big enough to go, yeah, I might have made them think and they may well change. And you have to not remind them that they were... Absolutely. As long as they get it... And it might take three or four, five, ten years. What I want to try and do, the aspiration we've got here, is we need to manage the business on our slide down from our BPS payments and what's going to happen going forwards. And you're still guessing, aren't you? Because nobody knows and therefore... Absolutely. That's the real sad reality of George and his gang. (laughs) They're looking after agriculture. I don't think so. No. And I kind of want to, as we're starting to lose all this chemistry, Mm. and we're going to be losing more of it, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, in time. Absolutely. And there'll be maybe polluter pays going forwards, Mm -hmm. you know, with elms. I don't know. I want to learn what I can do now while I've still got the chemistry. So when the chemistry's gone, I can go, well, I know how to manage that. Rather than waiting literally to the last day and go, okay, so what do I do now? Because I'm still getting my payment. And I've still got the chemicals. Everyone will be looking to, their, to use it. They'll be looking to their agronomist, won't they? Yeah. They'll have to come up with a new sort of spray. Absolutely. This magic spray. This magic spray, another magic spray. Something else from the snake oil from another. If you buy the seed and you do the contract with us, and we'll charge yeah. you £6 million pounds for it. Absolutely. And you'll be ahead of everybody else. Absolutely. It's really exciting. As I say, I'm just sad at 55. We're coming to this point in my career where it is dead exciting. We've got so much going on, and there's so many amazing farmers out there who are Jake Freestones of the world who have just been doing this for like 10, 15 years. 
we're only just riding on his coattails. So we've got a lot to learn. And I think it's dead exciting. I love farmers coming here and challenging me. I find that more interesting than someone go, oh, yes, okay, well, okay, we'll do that, we'll do that. I love to stand in a field, yeah. a bunch of farmers who go, well, I don't believe in that. There's too much meadow grass here. There's a little bit of septoria down there. You told me you've not sprayed. You come back to two points of things you just said. Firstly, you know, there's lots of people who will come and they'll criticise you regardless. And yep. if you took the advice of everybody that throws advice at you, you wouldn't have achieved any of the things you achieve. You have to paddle your own canoe. It's, it's your life, 100%. you on your own. You've got to do it. The second thing you said about sad at 55, I don't think you're sad, but <laughs> it is about enlightenment. Thomas Edison, I think it was, said his last breath was, I can't die now, I've got too much to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you need to be age 85. Yeah. You know, so you, no, you, you've got as long as you've ever worked to be as enthusiastic as you are to just keep going. And I don't think you'll ever run out of energy on redeveloping and testing the limits and that's what you do best well there's so much more now to do and we just need to take this estate to a place where it can be sustainable and we've got some great biodiversity and some great opportunities for everyone to enjoy and to produce food that's kind of where we want to be i think i think that's a great place to wind up nick i think it's been a really enjoyable and interesting couple of podcasts thank you so much for your time thank you andrew really appreciate it great cheers take care bye-bye Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.